morning to each of you. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Laurel, uh, that uh, firm hand on my back and that prayer, and uh, that very gentle tapping at the end was very nice. Thank you. I'm preaching this morning for First Corinthians 11. Uh, which uh, the last part of the chapter, which you will, uh, most of us recognize as Paul's instruction on concerning communion. There are three sections um, here in First uh, Corinthians eleven seventeen to thirty four. Uh, the first one he begins with uh, correction about something. Second. He gives the words Jesus said at the Last Supper, or the First Supper. And third, he instructs them about how to eat in a worthy manner. And so, uh, if I could give a uh, one-sentence summary of what Paul says, he says that Christ invites all those to eat and drink of the bread and cup at communion who value the broken body and shed blood of Christ as that which can deliver them from the guilt and shame and power of sin. So the first section is verses 17 to 22. And the thing that Paul describes is a love feast, a fellowship meal that receives the Lord's Supper, and Paul admonishes them about a sin that they are committing. Uh, this is the New King James. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be, <clears throat> be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So the, the early church celebrated a fellowship or feast meal prior to the communion proper. And they also had the Lord's Supper at least weekly, uh, is my understanding. And maybe more often, because there are a few verses that say that they, um, whenever they gathered, they uh, broke bread together. Uh, that's just a historical thing. In verse 17, uh, Paul begins by saying that something is happening during their love feast that is sin, and it has negative results. 
And then verses 18 to 21 describe the hurtful and negative attitudes and actions. Uh, in verses 18 and 19, he says there are, the King James says, heresies, which is uh, better, I think, rendered divisions among you when you meet. And Paul makes the somewhat, I would say, odd statement that the divisions are a good thing because those who are approved by God are made obvious. And uh, maybe that's being kind because he didn't say that they're good because those who uh, are not approved by God are made obvious. But the way that's how he says it. Those who are approved by God are made obvious. Um, and perhaps Paul's point is that in the midst of disagreements, we express any negative unchristian attitudes we have, and it's a good thing that they be uh, exposed and then they can be um, resolved. I'm not sure what all this point is. Then in verses 20 and 21, Paul says that when they gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they are not really celebrating the Lord's Supper because the way some of them eat changes Changed others of them. And it's not clear exactly what is happening that's wrong, but it sounds like some of them uh, come to this pre-Lord's Supper meal uh, with much. Because they have much. And some come with little because they have little. And those who have much, uh, I'll use the word hoard, what they have, and, and I'll use the word, and they gobble up uh, as much as they can, and, and they don't leave much for those who have not. Uh, that's, I think, the picture there. So, Paul is correcting them for selfishness, uh, for lack of love. So, uh, in, in that instruction of correction, Paul is correcting the tendency to create groups or classes of people in the church, uh, something perhaps like the haves and the have-nots, or the rich and the poor, or whatever other classes you could think about. And uh, this is this, this division of people into classes. I believe the point here is that it, it uh, violates the uh, broken body and shed blood of Christ because. Uh, he, he came to uh, address everybody's sins and needs and to make all uh, to, to form uh, all into one body. And, and this is only possible if, if 
giving that Jesus had in his death. And uh, this, this is all about love. So this is a tendency to look down on, to, to have a negative attitude toward people who are different. The section, uh, second section uh, is 23 to 26, and it's the institution by Jesus of the Lord's Supper. And I'm reading from the Amplified, uh, just to identify the passage edition. For I received from the Lord Himself that which I passed on to you. It was given to me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was treacherously delivered up and while His betrayal was in progress, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remember. Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup also, saying, This cup is a new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, to call me affectionately to remembrance. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper the same night he was betrayed. Uh, this was on the night of the Passover meal. And just as Passover celebrated deliverance from slavery uh, in Egypt, the Lord's Supper celebrates deliverance from the slavery of Satan and sin and everything opposed to God's kingdom. So the death, the death, the body, the bread, uh, the bread represents Christ's broken body. Uh, Christ bore our sins uh, and everything opposed to his kingdom, God's kingdom. He bore all of that to the cross in his body. And he offered his body as a sacrifice for our redemption. And this is what we remember, that Christ bore our sins and suffered unto death for our sins. And the, the cup represents Christ's shed blood. And Paul says the cup is the covenant. I'm not sure that we think about this covenant thing very much. I haven't. He says the cup is the covenant between God and humans ratified by the blood Christ shed. And in this covenant, Christ's blood is the commitment of God, commitment of Christ to us that God will never forsake us, will never condemn us, as long as we trust Him and follow Him and depend on His life, 
depend on His life blood for our forgiveness and our life. So the bread and cup remind us of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. And every time we eat and drink, we remember Christ's broken body and shed blood that was freely offered for us. And we are remembering, we affirm again, in our remembering, we affirm again that Christ's broken body and shed blood is the basis for forgiveness of sin, the basis of a clear conscience, the basis of a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the third section is verses 27 to 34, uh, in which Christ uh, invites all those who eat of the bread and drink from the cup of communion who are depending on the death and resurrection of Christ to deliver them from the guilt and shame and power of sin. So again, the Amplified reads this way. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in a, of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of Him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man thoroughly examine himself, and only when he has done done this, so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating, I think the King James word is discerning, without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body eats and drinks in a, a sentence, eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of you are weak and sickly, and quite enough of you have fallen into the sleep of death. For if we certainly examined ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged and penalty decreed by the divine judgment. But when we fall short and are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined and chastened, so that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punishment along with the world. So then, my brothers, I might add, and sisters, when you gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. Uh, which seems to hop back to that section on running ahead of each other, not letting people uh, have anything to eat in the feast. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home that you come together to bring judgment on yourselves. About the other matters, I will give you directions personally when I come. So the question here is, uh, that I want to talk to a little bit, is uh, what does it mean to eat unworthily? And uh, for what purpose is a person supposed to examine uh, himself or herself. So, uh, first of all, I think in the context 
of the first section, verse 17 to 22, one way to eat unworthily is to eat in a way that sins against others. Uh, to eat without caring for others. And this is to eat, and it's, it's the way it's described, without, it's to eat without remembering that Christ shed his blood for all people, even those who have not. Um, to view Christ's blood as being available for me, maybe not for others. It's to eat selfishly and not count the body and blood of Christ as having value for people who don't um, have it together the way I do. Uh, to view others, as perhaps, as less redeemed. I'm not sure about all the implications in that. Um, to eat in an exclusive manner. Um, judgmental manner, um, valuing Christ's work for me above Christ's work for others. Uh, the second um, the second item in the unworthily in, in the context of verses 27 to 32, uh, another way to eat unworthily is to eat without discerning the Lord's body, that is, without placing the proper value on Christ's broken body and shed blood, not remembering that Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed for each of my sins and for each sin of everyone else, too. Uh, the bread and juice remind us that in the breaking of his body and the shedding, shedding of his blood and the bearing of our sins to the Christ, cross, Christ experienced whatever judgment, suffering, guilt, shame, alienation that, <clears throat> that we experience as a result of sins committed against us and by us, that he bore all of this. We remember our sins and failures from time to time, and I, I know that for some of us, uh, we can be quite distressed by awareness of our failures, our human imperfections. It might not even be sin, but we ought to know better and do better. And we ought to be more mature and all of those kinds of thoughts. And then, of course, there are actual sins, too. So we remember these things from time to time, but instead of moving to deep-seated uh, self-hatred, uh, shame, fear, and uh, even sometimes people, I think, get into uh, self-punishment and self-salvation things, then punishment of others, and blame others for this problem I have, problems. Instead of all that, uh, we remember to turn to Christ and see that Christ's broken body and shed blood on the cross was for me and for all of this. And he bore all of this to the cross to deliver me from guilt and shame and the power of sin. So when we can eat and drink in this way, 
remembering that his broken body and shed blood is for all of this. When we come in that way, depending on him, we eat worthily. We eat unworthily when we do not value Christ's broken body and shed blood as able to take care of all of this, all of our sins and the sins of others. To eat worthily is to eat in the awareness that we have given up on saving ourselves and are depending on Christ. We are saying that our only God is the Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and we are depending on Jesus Christ to forgive us and show us mercy because, because we certainly cannot save ourselves. We all know that. Kindness. We remember We worthily then is to discern that Christ's broken body and shed blood is the basis for our forgiveness and right standing with God. <clears throat> and uh, and this is a little bit of a side note here, uh, but uh, I'll just say one one of my um, uh, goals, passion. Is to um, is to help us be the kind of church that be the kind of community that understands the broken body and shed blood of Christ for our needs. Uh, I got this uh, email from somebody yesterday, um, and those, it's two parts. And the first part was, uh, what am I looking for from pastors, my pastors? And then, <clears throat> I won't read that. It was very good, but I won't read that. The second part was, what am I looking for in a church? <clears throat> I asked this person if I could read this. I'm not giving any names. Here's, here's what it says. What I'm looking for in a church, a place where broken people gather at the feet of Jesus to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and have truth in the inward parts, as in, be real about our inner lives, deal with personal issues, and interpersonal issues in God-honoring and life-giving ways. Not sweeping things under the rug and being nice. Care about growing in more than just spiritual knowledge, but also growing emotionally and at the heart level. Healing for the heart, because spiritual jargon is just jargon if it doesn't touch the heart in life-giving ways. I need help to do this well. I feel like I have so much to learn in this area, and I want to be part of a church that is also passionate about this. 
so that we can learn and grow together. Because I know it's possible and, and have experienced so much life-giving healing myself, I don't know how it all should look played out in a typical church setting. And I don't know how to inspire passion where there's no passion for other people who not have this vision. I want to learn from and be part of a passionate group of people. And then there's a dot, 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 dot. I think it's kind of quick. Now, I think if, uh, if we'd be honest here this morning, I think we would probably most of us would say, yes, that's, that's, that's really what we long for. That kind of relationship with people that we know and worship with and, and that kind of uh, turning towards Christ and uh, growing, growing because of the uh, broken body and shed blood of Christ the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's, that's what we want, I think. So what, uh, coming back to this text here, what are we supposed to examine ourselves about? So we're, we're supposed to examine and evaluate the value we are placing on Christ's broken body and shed blood for us. This is a call to eat with gratefulness. To eat with awareness that apart from dependence on Jesus Christ to forgive and redeem, I would be hopeless. When we examine ourselves, whatever failure or sin we see is a call to discern the Lord's body and shed blood as being God's answer to the failure that we see in ourselves. This is not a call to examine oneself to see if we have been sinless so we can be worthy. This is a call to throw ourselves on Jesus Christ who died for our sins and, and can forgive us and show us mercy and can grow us up. Jesus Christ is able to bring to our conscience anything we need to confess and anything God brings to our conscience is able to forgive. And so then, uh, one of the last verses in this section is this, So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another and see to it that no one is left out. Uh, some verses in the Bible are a little bit, uh, maybe I'll say curious, very fascinating, uh, enjoyable, and instructive. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can be together here this morning. Uh, thank you for your word. And uh, be our teacher and minister to us here in this time together. And direct us by your spirit. And accomplish your purposes in our hearts. And thank you. Amen.